Hello and welcome back to my podcast. I'm so happy that you are here with us today. Thank you for joining me um, in this journey. This is episode number three and I brought on a good virtual friend of mine. Her name's Soma. I've known Soma for quite a few years now. Um, I got connected to her when I read her book, Royal Rebel, as soon as I got back from Cambodia. And needless to say, it wrecked me, changed my life, was just such an incredible book. Her words just continued to soften my heart for that country, and I highly encourage every single person to read that book. Um, I will link it below, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the second book that she wrote called Royal Love, and it is absolutely incredible. In this book, she talks about mental health and, of course, her love story with her fiancé, Dave, um, who tragically passed away in a car accident about five years ago, and I'll let you hear more of her story and what she has to say and the encouragement that she has for our listeners. I didn't do an icebreaker, but I think that this pretty much just breaks ice. Um, Soma is a princess, like a legit princess, which we'll get into later. She'll explain that a little bit more. Anyways, I am so excited to introduce you to Soma, who is just an incredible leader. Um, I know that her words carry so much weight, and she is just pushing the ball forward in the kingdom of God, and it is absolutely incredible. I cannot wait for you guys to hear this. Hi, Soma. Oh my Hi, Caitlin. How are you? I am so good. Welcome to my podcast. You are my third guest. Oh, wow. I'm so excited. Yes, it is so good. Well, I could try at my best attempt to introduce you, but I want for you to introduce yourself because you have an incredible story. You're releasing your second book, which is such, oh my gosh, that's just absolutely incredible. Um, So I would love for you just to give a quick synopsis of who you are, maybe what has like led you to this very point. Yes. Well, first, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. We'll have to meet in person. Yes. (laughs) But I grew up in California. We were actually the first refugee in um, Long Beach, which is the biggest Cambodian community um, next to the country of Cambodia. So as a refugee, you know that we help uh, the U.S. during the war, which is the Vietnam War. And my dad was the go-to guy for ammunitions. So one of the generals sponsored us. And at that time, nobody, you know, there were no refugees in 1975 here in the U.S. So we were the first group. So, you know, I just grew up. I had to learn English. I was only like four or five, which was really good. And then I was learning that and, you know, just going to school and then junior high, high school, just did the normal high school stuff. You know, like I was commencement speaker. I was homecoming princess, all that. So I didn't really understand who and what my family was. Because they're the royal family, they are the royal family, the House of Nordum. There's mm-hmm. two royal families. There's the House of Nordum and the House of Sisawat. And I am... In Cambodia? Uh, uh, by blood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because my, my great-great-great-grandfather was king, the first king of Cambodia, King Nordum the first. Wow. So, you know, growing here in the U.S., we can't go around telling that we're princes. <laughs> they're going to think you're crazy. And it wasn't until 2010, I already established my career in Stubborn in Atlanta. My dad, he um, was, the doctor said he only had like four or five years because he was on dialysis two years in the U.S. and he wanted to continue dialysis in Cambodia and live 
the last remaining two to three years of his life. So first my sister took him, but she just graduated from law school. She didn't really have a career yet. So she was like, why don't you come take care of dad until he passes away? Because his dying wish was to be cremated because he's Buddhist um, and where the royal family's uh, temples are at, but also have his ashes spread where the Tonsilat River and the Mekong River meets, which is kind of like the heart, the, the center of the capital of Cambodia, which is Phnom Penh. Wow. So yeah, so in 2010, I went back. I had claimed my title as a princess. So now I'm Princess Soma. Yes. And yeah, I mean, it was just like, all of a sudden I was thrust into the limelight, not because I was a princess, but I was a working person. And I also create the first English-speaking radio talk show in the country, Cambodia. Yeah. It became successful, yeah. No one wants to talk about the Vietnam War or the war that's lost. So what's tough is you have to keep records and documentation of your history, your family history. But because during the Vietnam War and after that, the Pol Pot regime, which was the second biggest genocide in the history of the world, um, came in and killed two millions of our people. And all the documents and everything was just lost. So now, you know, we have people telling their story about being a refugee growing up, you know, doing this, doing that. And my story, my first book, Caitlin, it's called Royal Rebel. Yes. Yes. I read it it's and it like, is incredible. Yeah, my, oh my God. Yes. I remember that's how I connected you. Yes. you. But it actually talks about coming back to Cambodia in my tab, but also learning about my history and the people and helping the people. But it's also a testimonial because the royal family, they're all mm. Buddhist. And growing up, my family was very open about choosing our faith. Like my mom's Catholic, my dad's Buddhist, so it's a little bit different. Um, so growing up, we were able to choose our faith. But that time, I really, I didn't believe in God, but I knew there was a higher being. But I wasn't like, I don't believe in God, you know. So you got to go yeah. through the hard times, I guess. So for God to reveal himself. So in, in this mm-hmm. book, I know you read yeah. it. Yeah. So this is what it's about, my mm-hmm. testimonial. And here I am. And then I write my second book. Yes. Okay, it just was released last month. Royal Love is getting yeah. a lot of great reviews. And this is actually about when my fiance and I were in a car accident on Memorial Day. It's going to be five years in two weeks. I cannot believe it's going to be five away. years. And I survived. So it's about going through the healing process. Uh, uh, being traumatized, uh, going through uh, the mental health illness of PTSD, which PTSD is post-traumatic, you know, distress syndrome, and it affects a lot of refugees. So not only do I have that in my generation, I also have this. So now writing the second book is very therapeutic and it's helped me to slowly heal, but it's also going to help others Mm. to see like life goes on. You have to go on, Caitlin. Yes. Yes. And then, you know, I have another book signing next week. And then next month I have one in my hometown, original hometown in Long Beach. Wow. But it's, you know, the, the goal is of course you have your faith, but you have to have a good support system 
And you have to continue on with therapy and self-care. Yes. Oh my goodness. And this week is Mental Health Awareness Week, which I feel like this is so timely in this podcast and everything. And um, can you just talk a little bit more about that and even mental health as a whole, but maybe why it is just so important for people to be more aware of PTSD and what it is, um, the realities of it, but also why people should get help and maybe talk a little bit of why, um, you know, mental health isn't taboo and never should be taboo. Um, and it should be discussed. So I would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. So a lot of us go through depression. We have suicidal thoughts. It's not just teenagers, but it's also to adult life. And if you're traumatized, whether, you know, one of your family member passed away, the war, um, especially refugees, we don't talk about it because it's not just an Asian culture, but I know it's other cultures because it's like a taboo topic. And it's like, you can't talk about and say, you have this illness, mental health issues. You can't mm-hmm. say that because number one, your family could disown you or they're just worried about keeping maybe the family name. Um, they don't believe in that. They think that you're, you know, you're not mm-hmm. crazy. It's just a way of, you know, uh, the doctor's getting you to go and um, be on medication or go to therapy, but it is okay. So slowly we're starting to talk about, especially the Asian culture, but it's still difficult. It's still a taboo topic. And when you say I'm depressed, Mm -hmm. I'm suicidal. I mean, you got to look at the, look at right now, the last year of the issues that's been happening in the U S just, we're just talking about the U.S. alone. You know, the the shootings. Mm-hmm. Um, look at the individual and look at the cases. They were bullied. They were a loner. Yeah. They needed help. They were trying to cry out for help, but nobody would listen. So that was their way of getting the attention. Yeah. And it had to, you know, um, many of the Americans, you know, especially the children, died due to the gun, you know, the shootings mm-hmm. um, and suicidal thoughts and suicidal think about the like i'm not even talking about the regular just everyday normal people how about the actors that you know killed themselves so because no one talks about it and they don't think that oh if you go to therapy you know it's going to help you uh if you have a big you know it's just we don't talk about it and we need to and that's why the the may is mental health awareness Mm -hmm. because you need to be as part of the community and that's the big part. And we talk about that is the community is what's is important. They are the ones that can help an individual. Um, maybe you can't talk to their family, but you have a peer, a support system like in school or at work. So that's what we're trying to slowly yeah. um, bring that awareness. And nobody wants to talk about, especially PTSD, just because a lot of veterans have gone through it. Um, I, I know I've gone through and it's not, it's not an easy, uh, simple issue that you can just take a pill and it goes away. Um, it's one of those that it doesn't have a cure. It would trigger what one day, many times, you know, a year or a month, it's just maybe something that happened in the event, you know, that it triggers you to get depressed. You think about what happened. So here I am trying to promote, it's not the book, it's about it. It's about 
PTSD and dealing with it. And that's what I'm going through and how you live out is every day. Yeah. I do talk specifically about the first five sessions of therapy. Very critical, Caitlin. Oh, wow. Because the first six months mm-hmm. after something traumatic like that, you got to get help right then because that will help you slowly ease, mm-hmm. you know, the, the starting the healing process. Because the healing process doesn't stop. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't have a time frame. Like, okay, you're going to be better in three years five years, 10 years, it continues on. And you have to find a way to go on with your life. Whether it's through your fate, it's whether through family, Mm -hmm. you know, but the most important thing is you do need to seek help. Such wise words. And I think like, especially for young girls, and this podcast is so geared towards like women and young girls who are just trying to one, find purpose, but two, like figure out what to do in their life and just what it all looks like. And what advice do you have for maybe a girl who is going through either a traumatic incident and she's wanting to do counseling or potentially mental health and whether that's anxiety, depression, like, I mean, the spectrum is so, so large. Um, What advice would you give to her to maybe start counseling a first step, a second step? What would that look like? Well, it just recently happened over the last 10 years because of social media. Social mm, media yeah. could be a positive, but also a negative. We didn't have this 20 years ago. So you weren't able to record what you do every day, what you look like. So a lot of times with the young generation, remember the um, impression. So that means that they look to the media. They look up to people. They are just like, they absorb. They're like a sponge. Mm-hmm. So Social media can be a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing. So here they are, young girls looking, going, oh, my gosh, I'm not skinny like Kendall Jenner. Oh, I'm not as pretty as Jennifer Lopez. Mm-hmm. So you get this fabricate, like, you've got to look like this. You've got to um, be this type of person to be happy. And that image can distort, of course, how you think because it's also not just peer pressure, but going through the depression because you don't, you're not that, you know, you don't look like that. You're not thin like that. You're not tall or beautiful, have nice hair like that. So just, just being a a teenager is already hard enough. And then you have the influencer saying, Oh, you got to look like me to be successful Mm -hmm. and to get guys. So that's what's tough. So if you are in that state, we talk about that, that it's okay. You can go talk to your teacher and, and the teacher can refer you to a counselor. My best mm-hmm. friend is a high school counselor. So she gets a lot of those issues. So um, what's important is, let's say you don't have a, a good family uh, support system. Because a lot of times, if you notice those who are, let's say, going through a state of depression, they don't have the family around. Not that the family doesn't you know, want to help them is that the family's not around yet. Maybe working, you have a single mom who works two jobs. Yeah. I remember my mom and dad, when they came up here, they were, and they went, my mom went to school at night to learn English. So we were latchkey kids, which means that we come home, we're by ourselves, we eat dinner, and then we go to bed the next day, do it all over again. So my advice for the young generation really is if you have some type of a, a, I want to say it's 
it's hard to explain what depression is because it could be in different uh, elements. But yeah. if you feel like you are not worth it, you don't feel like you are important to continue on living in this world, you really need to go just talk to somebody. You don't have to go to therapy. If you're scared of therapy, fine, but talk to somebody, whether it's your friend, a teacher, a counselor, but you need to say, hey, I'm feeling this way. I'm not feeling like I can get up and be a part of society. See, that's the first thing you do. So every morning you get up, you're like, you know how you're lying in bed. You're like, what am I going to do today? Are you excited to get out of bed? Or are you just tired and drained and just don't want to get out? That's the first sign. you got to mm. just talk to somebody. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's, that's incredible. And I think just giving that glimpse into what it looks like. Um, I know for me, when I was in high school, I suffered from depression and it was hard to get out of bed. And I thought that that was normal, you know, and then it's like, it kind of got worse and it spiraled a little bit. And I think just for people to be aware of what depression is and what it looks like. And there's, like you said, there's different levels of it. You know, it's like, you can have, um, seasonal depression, which I know a lot of people in my life suffer from that, or, you know, you can have, um, like the post-traumatic depression and that's around the same time every year that, you start to slip into a depressive season. Um, or like what I had, it was just consistent depression. And that was like, why can I just not get out of this state and this funk? And, um, you know, the best thing that I did was I got help and I went through counseling and I can say that like, I am strong now and I am well, and that I think alone just should give hope to our listeners. Um, it's, it doesn't have to be a lifelong battle or maybe it is, but you're the, the fact that you're fighting, that's, that's yes. such a beautiful, brave and bold thing. Um, yeah. So did you tell your parents about it or did you just go right to your counselor? I told my parents about it. Okay. And I think for my family is that it's very genetic. Um, so it didn't come as a shock, mm-hmm. but it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, didn't realize I was going through it until other people in my life pointed it out. Um, you know, of like, Oh, your demeanor is a little bit different or, Oh, you're, you're avoiding the things that you used to love. Um, and sometimes that's all it takes is someone who loves you to be able to speak that truth into you and recognize that, Oh, you know, there you're not well, like you, you do need to get help because we love you enough to be able to say that. Um, but you know, there's the other side of it where, um, you know, people can be so good at masking it. Um, and Oh, like that, that just breaks my heart. Like I, Mm -hmm. you know, and especially, um, you know, people in, I think both of our lives is they are so good at masking things and we just, we want to be able to help them. But I think that's another reason why, like, I am so excited about releasing this specific podcast is because it just brings light Mm -hmm. to the subject. Mm -hmm. Um, and even for those people that, maybe they're trying to hide it and they're just doing their best to mm-hmm. put on a mask every single day just to get through the day. Yep. It's like, you don't have to do that anymore. Just get the help that you need. And they, ex- like, I guess they think society or their friends expect them and their family expect them to do well, do this, do that. And if let's say you don't, you feel like you let them down. 
And that's really hard because those are the ones that are, if anything were to happen, let's say they get to that last hope, you're just in shock. And your whole family and friends are in mourning over it going, we have no sign. There was no symptoms. There was no, no warning signs. And that's the hardest. I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so in your new book, you know, you talk so much just about PTSD and mental health and pressing forward. What, besides therapy, what has given you hope, um, in one life, but also too, just in the season, um, after the traumatic incident? I mean, it's just, it's just those, you know, you hear your fiance, you're planning your wedding and it, it's just happened, but you, so that first week is just our first month. You really need that support system. I did have my best friend help me for two weeks and then my family was around because like I said, the first couple months, the first like first six months is very crucial for your well-being because you need to like I mean I remember after a month I just went to go find a therapist in Long Beach I mean that was the first thing I, I said I gotta do um which is rare because here I am going I do need to seek help because I just couldn't I couldn't sleep at night I didn't want to take sleeping pills anymore and the whole time my mind is just thinking about the accident. What if we turn this way? What if we didn't stop here? What if we did this? So just thinking that it would change the result or the outcome. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, you're in a denial the first week, but after a while you're like, okay, he's gone and you need to go on your life. And you always hear this when, you know, when someone passes away and, and it's your loved one, and they'll say, oh, he would want this for you. He would want you to do this. He would want you to continue on your life. Everybody's going to say that and you're going to mm -hmm. hear it. And you you just, you don't say, oh, thank you. I understand. Okay. But it's like a broken record. They're going to say that he's going to want you to go get up. He's going to want you to go on your life. He wants you to continue on your life. He wants you to maybe fall in love again. Everybody's going to say that to you, but you have to be the one. Like I said, you can't run away from the issue. You can't hide it, suppress it. You have to deal with it. And if you can do it immediately, it helps the process, um, the healing process a lot faster. If I were to wait a whole year, I don't know what would happen. Like I said, the first six months is very crucial, very crucial to how the healing process is you know, affects you. Because if you could do it right away, it continues to help. But during that first six months, you, 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 that's all you've been thinking about. You, you got to get that out of your head and you got to, Talk to somebody that can help you. And I remember she would give me homework to do. Like their best. And I've done all different types of therapy. So I only talk briefly about certain ones, but it's everybody's different. If you don't like your therapist or psychiatrist, you can go to another one. You don't have to be with that person. They have to make you feel comfortable. Everybody's different. Everybody, like I said, heals differently. But you have to, in the beginning, that first six months is crucial. You have to deal with the issue going, I am depressed. I have PTSD. I need help. I need counseling. Yeah. It's like admitting, you know, that this is where you're at in the present and maybe yeah. potentially what you want life to look like in the future. And I think once you speak those things into existence, you know, it just becomes... Well, I think it becomes reality, but 
in the reality of it, like you're able to move forward. Um, putting that stake in the ground of, okay, I'm choosing to do this. No one else is making me, I'm choosing to do this. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Your mom, your family, your friends, your, you know, supervisor, manager, they can all tell you to go to therapy. If you don't want to go, Yeah. you're not going to go. So you have to, and it's like, it's hard to explain to say those that say you're dealing with drugs or alcohol. Mm-hmm. Let's say you have to go into treatment. I mean, they can push you to go. They can tell you to go, mm-hmm. but you have to be the one to go because if you don't decide, th- that's the first process yeah. of therapy is to decide to go. Yeah. If you can get up and go, that's the first yeah. step. Oh. That's such good words. We talked a little bit about, um, you know, what people had said to you during your time of grieving um, and even potentially putting words in Dave's mouth. Um, What advice would you give to listeners who are maybe loving a grieving family member or um, friend in the season? What, what, what is right to say? What is wrong to say? What what should they say? A lot of times, a lot of them didn't know what to say. Like the first 24, 48 hours when they came to visit me, they just didn't know what to say. I mean, yeah. I know two of my college girlfriends were with mm-hmm. me. It was just quiet. I guess they're just as long as they're there in the room. And then my other best friend was mm-hmm. on the phone with family, friends, everybody's telling what is going on. And to finally put on Facebook, like I said, Facebook was a way of, you know, reaching out to a whole bunch of people. And, and what was good is, I was able to read, I didn't read the comments mm-hmm. until two weeks later. And it was like, wow, you got this many people caring for you and for Dave or, you know, my fiance who passed away. Um, I always say, you know what, I, I, it's hard. They can't, I know like the first, I remember the first like two days was just like, all they do is just hug me and go, I'm so sorry. Or is there anything I could do? After a while, you're like, I just want to be alone. But you don't want to be alone. You can't be alone because you might do something. So you have friends or family to watch you, maybe be in the room or maybe just lay there. And it's, it's hard. I can't mean, I know my girlfriends, they know me well. So like they just hug me. They won't even say anything because you can't say anything anymore. And you don't, and when more people, if this, if people say the same thing over and over, it's like, like I said, a broken record, you're like, I know. And then you get frustrated and you get all stressed out again so it's best that you just don't say anything and maybe just mm-hmm. hug yeah yeah I mean it's yeah. hard yeah I mean you're gonna have people that will it's nice you get letters you know or cards or texts or stuff yeah. but like I said the first gosh the first just in the first week it's hard you can't can't do anything just to say I'm here or you be needing yeah. me and sometimes like just your presence is a gift um and I know I was always yeah. taught that of like Sometimes it's just right? showing up, yeah. you know, and you don't have to have the yeah, perfect enough. words to say, but just you don't have to say anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, as we wrap up today, I just want to talk a little bit more mm-hmm. about your book that's coming out. Um, and if you could give just a quick synopsis as to why our listeners need to read the book, they need to get it and even Royal Love as well. Um, can you just talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, we we wanted to make it now, I think, a, a, a trilogy. So I have a third book coming, I can't tell you. So Royal Rebel talks about me going back to Cambodia and claiming my title as a princess. I did get in trouble, accused of incitement, but you'll read that. Royal Love, I've come back to the U.S. I fall in love with my best friend, my friend who I've known for 29 years. So this is a love story that when you read it, you will laugh, you will cry. 
and you will say, wow, Dave was so much soulmate. Hmm. It's a love story for all ages. So, wow, um, it is so beautiful. The best part really is it's just moving on, going on with your life. Yeah. Okay. Therapy. Yeah. It's okay to smile again, but it's okay to cry. So I just kind of want hope for this. Guess here I am. I have to go in my life. In two weeks will be five years. Wow. Oh so yeah, I can't believe how fast time flies. Yes. Are you allowed to speak into what the third book will possibly be about? Do you know yet? I know it's a trilogy, so it would probably be because each book's dedicated to somebody. The first one's dedicated to my dad because mm. he talks about his funeral. The second book is dedicated to Dave because that's my soulmate. And the third one will probably be dedicated to me later, but it's probably because we love to cook and my mom's the best cook in the, the entire community. So it has to be something to cook in. Okay. Uh, oh, that mm. is so exciting. 50% of the profit um, is going to so explain next that. Week's, uh, <laughs> book signing is called the Fresno Center, which actually helps um, impoverished, you know, communities of not just the Asian community, but also, you know, Asian community consists of Cambodians, Laotian, Thai, Vietnamese, Hmong, but also Pakistani and also Armenian and Iranian. So it's like, and Hispanics. So we, wow. that the Fresno Center is huge in Fresno and it helps all of them getting their citizenship, getting shot, getting, you know, um, paperwork ready, finding jobs, finding homes. And because this month is uh, mental health awareness, they wanted me to speak and also do a book sign. I said, you know, I want to give back to a program and to an organization that does help people with mental health illness. Mm -hmm. They have like a holistic center for seniors. Mm -hmm. I mean, so I said, you know, well, what's the best thing to do? You know what? I'm going to give, I'm just going to give it half. I mean, I was to do all the things. Wait, let me just give half. Because yeah. that's still going to be, you know. So, you know what? They were just like, and I was like, no, I don't have to purchase the book. I'll do it myself. You guys should take whatever and have, we'll go. And they were just so excited. And they did the flyer. I mean, the community is going to come out to support this. Mm -hmm. Like I said, if you are put in a situation and you overcome it, you are the spokesperson or a role model for others to follow. Mm -hmm. So in this case, the book is about mental health, PTSD, going through the healing process, continuing on the life. I want to give back. So I want people to read the book so I can understand. But I also want to give back to the community. And that was probably the easiest thing was, you know what? I can have people read it. That's what I want. Because if you can help one person, that's the best thing. And then give back to the community, at least yes. an organization, which is a nonprofit organization that helps the community. Oh, that is so incredible. And the fact that you're oh, using, yes, oh my gosh. And the Lord is truly using you. I mean, I just see it. And, oh, yes. you know, yes. I, I think about Romans eight twenty eight. like the Lord uses like all things for good. He redeems all things for good. And it is such a beautiful reminder. And I just, I see that in your life. You know, it's like, man, there's such tragedy and hardship and we should never diminish that because it is yeah. hard and the Lord created emotions and we're supposed to grieve. And, um, you know, that of course just draws us closer to him, but I love the fact that, you know, you are now impacting people with your story. Um, you didn't just bottle it up and save it. Now, hopefully you are saving lives and speaking life yeah, and truth yeah. and yes. So I just want to, 
um, one, congratulate you on your new book. And yes. And also just thank you so much just for speaking life into these podcast guests, um, these listeners. And I am so excited just to release this and talk more about the subject. So thank you about your podcast. I'm so excited for congratulations. Yeah, it's so exciting. You're going to help so many people all over. This is such a big deal, Caitlin. Yeah. So God's using you this way. Thank you. I just appreciate it. So, you know, we both have, you know, our uh, plan. Yeah. Which I said, I didn't expect it because remember, God already has a plan. Yeah. You just didn't know it. Mm -hmm. And yes, you can question God because I did a couple of times. Yeah. But one day he will reveal why this happened. 100%. 100%. But in the meantime, you have to continue on with your life. Mm, gosh. And your purpose is to help others. Then you do it. Mm-hmm. So beautiful. Oh. You're amazing, my friend. That was so good. And I know I sound like a broken record when I talk about this, but please share this. Please like it. Please subscribe it. It's not about me. Um, It is literally just about who these podcasts could impact. Um, so if you think about it, you know, go in, um, do a little reading thing. Um, that's just what gets us out to more people. And the whole goal here is to impact people for Jesus. Um, it's not about me. It's not about the guests. It's just about kingdom impact. And so if you could please just go like, please subscribe, please share this. I sound like a broken record, but if you like listening to these and you like listening to my voice, um, you should definitely do that. So thank you faithful listener for tuning in to another episode of perhaps And perhaps you were made for such a time as this. We'll see you next week.